Hey, welcome to the Sermonary Podcast. My name is Josh Taylor, and I'm here with my guest, Tony Morita. And Tony Morita is an author. He's a pastor. He's a professor. Uh, you name it, he's probably done it. Uh, Tony, I met Tony many years ago when I was in high school. He was the camp pastor. Uh, back then, you were known as T-Bone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he was a camp pastor at a summer camp that I attended uh, up in North Carolina, Ridgecrest, North Carolina. And uh, it's also where you met your lovely wife. Uh, but Tony is, uh, he's the pastor, the lead pastor of Imago Day Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. He is also the director of theological training with Acts 29, and he's the author of several books and commentaries, uh, one that I'm really excited about that he's, he's written on Romans that uh, I'm looking forward to coming out. But we're going to be talking about his latest book that I think is a very timely book, uh, and uh, it's called Christ-Centered Conflict Resolution, A Guide for Turbulent Times. And uh, Tony, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Man, it's a joy. You made me feel old and honored, though. Yeah, good. <laughs> well, uh, well, what I want to talk about today is is your latest book that's released just a few months ago. I can't imagine the traction that it's getting right now, especially with pastors and uh, just a resource for church leaders in the church. Uh, but tell me a little bit about why you decided to write a book like this, uh, and 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 uh, what it's meant to you, or what's some of the feedback that you're getting from people that are reading it. Well, you know, the interesting thing, Josh, I was writing another book when uh, the publisher called me and said, hey, would you consider writing a book on conflict resolution? So I, w- I was not intending to write this book. They said, we want a pastor to write it. We want someone who is, uh, who's, who's a parent who has dealt with, you know, conflict within the home, but also as a pastor, you're trying to mediate conflicts in the church. Um, and we want it to be short and accessible. And uh, they said, we need it turned around in like a month. And so uh, we, we know you have uh, the capacity to turn stuff around quickly. Would you be interested? And so we, we were right in the middle of COVID. I had more time than normal. And I said, absolutely, I'll do it. So I, I basically took Ken Sandy's uh, classic book, The Peacemaker, uh, tried to identify some of the key ideas out of that book. It's a classic, but it's, it's much larger than mine. Um, and then I just try to identify key texts that uh, speak about conflict and just apply them uh, uh, practically. Um, and, you know, one of our pastors here on staff says that when you're in a conflict, you don't want a big book and you don't want a lot of steps, right? right. So I wrote a book that you could, you could read in a couple of hours. You could also reread it. Um, and so if you're in a conflict or if you're mediating a conflict with someone else, um, you can go to some of these key passages and think through uh, how we can apply them in our various kinds of uh, relationships. I know that you said that you were thinking about, uh, the, or, or the, the publishers wanted somebody that was a parent that understood that perspective. So obviously you're thinking about families. Uh, is, is that really who the book is directed for or who you're thinking about as you are writing this book? Yeah, you know, it was interesting. They said, um, we're, we're calling you number one because we know you write and you can turn it around quickly. But we remember you posted a picture with uh, uh, Sandy, the young peacemaker book uh, around the dinner table. There was a, a graphic they used for avoiding the, the attack and avoid, 
responses in conflict, instead working it out. It's like a cartoon for kids. And we mm -hmm. just worked through that with our kids for a couple of weeks. Uh, we have all adopted kids. And at this time, it was just kind of chaotic. And the image was really helpful on how we're going to try to sort things out as a family. So based on one Instagram post and, and kind of my writing background, they said, we, we think you have experience in it. <laughs> and yeah. at the time, I had nine people living under our roof and two dogs. Uh, because we had some house guests as well. So they said, would you write a book on conflict? And I was like, I need a book on conflict. Uh, <laughs> and so um, the, originally it was, it was families. It was because the, the COVID restrictions uh, put people in closer proximity and uh, we're, you know, we're spending more time together under the, under the roof. There's no school at least to go to those, those kinds of things no sports. So the, the outlets were removed and everybody knows the frustration that that brings. Um, but then what we didn't anticipate would, would be kind of the social unrest, uh, the, the racial tensions that we're dealing with in, in America right now. The book also speaks to that because again, it's, it's God's timeless word. It's, it's focused on Christ and the gospel and, and applying, you know, the truth of scripture to our relationships and so it definitely speaks to any kind of issue related to, uh, you know, division and strife. Um, uh, and then you throw in a political election, you throw in the, the, the debates in churches right now about wearing masks or not wearing masks. And yeah. it's just a great time for a book on conflict resolution, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was, I was thinking about this just before. Uh, interviewing because uh, the time that we're recording this right now, last night was the first presidential debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And you, know, you listen to all the commentators today and they're saying that uh, that was a perfect representation of where the country is right now. That's yeah. how divided we are. It was, it was a mess. It was division. It was polarizing. And that's really where not just our country, but the world is right now. And so there's a lot of conflict. I think that this this is is timely. There were a lot of jokes that uh, last night's debate looked like a church business meeting. And um, so I, uh, I, I think that we see this in the church. And, and I think the church is having new kinds of conflicts now, too, because, uh, you know, po politics in the church were always kind of taboo and they were always uh, divisive, but I don't think they've been as divisive as they are right now, because like you just mentioned, we're having new kind of arguments. We're having masks or no masks, in-person worship, not in-person worship, and, you know, restrictions, not restrictions, all these kind of things. We're having new kind of conversations within yep. the church. Uh, but I think even one of the things that was brought up in the debate last night uh, with everything that's going on with the pandemic, you're seeing a rise in divorce rates. You're seeing a rise in suicide. You're seeing a rise in conflict. Um, so as you were writing this book, uh, what were some of the things that you learned? Uh, because I think just like any pastor that's preaching a sermon, we often preach sermons that we don't feel like we should be preaching. We should probably be the ones hearing it. And so just like the humility that you uh, approached in the book of saying, I need a book on conflict resolution, not write one. Uh, I can't imagine the things uh, learning something like that. Well, so what were some of the practical things that you learned in conflict resolution, especially with the idea of this peacemaker and Jesus being that, yeah. that peacemaker? Yeah. Well, I think you've hit on uh, some of the issues uh, related to the church uh, that, that hopefully the book speaks to. Well, you know, one of the things that we're dealing with uh, right now, in, and you see this in the political election, is people used to keep a lot of that stuff private. But now with social media, they post things. 
And, and then they go to small group with people who read their Facebook posts who don't agree with them, but when they show up at small group, they don't act the same way. Right. right. And so they kind of like them in person, but not on social media. So we have a whole array of, of issues to deal with. And I think what, what I learned or what I guess was made more significant to me in, in our study, uh, in the study of this and writing this book is just how, how much, uh, how, the New Testament, that the Bible focuses on relationships. I think we can miss that. We can be a very doctrine-centric uh, people as evangelicals uh, without seeing really the, the primacy of healthy relationships, just how, how uh, much the Bible values this. Um, for example, when you read uh, in the Beatitudes, uh, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And you think about that, like, but what, what would you need to do to reflect the nature of God? You know, you'll be called a son of God. It's go make peace. Like that really matters to Jesus. And I think somewhere along the way, we've, we've lost the importance of maintaining harmony. And because the goal is not just the absence of strife and just, you know, getting along, uh, you know, in some, some coexisting, but rather it's harmony. It's, mm -hmm. it's being unified <clears throat> and that's going to take work. That's going to take a lot of awkward conversations. It's going to take a lot of forgiveness. It's going to take uh, us overlooking minor offenses, which I see to be one of the biggest problems in conflict resolution is we're, we're an easily offended culture. Um, and I think in the book, I give some categories for how to deal with conflict. And one of them is the minor category. So is this a minor offense? And if it is, then scripture teaches me to overlook a minor offense. Uh, these are not issues that are harming people. These are not sin issues. They're usually preferences. They're kind of one-off things that somebody does that's out of the, the pattern of their life. And, uh, and so we just got to get good at overlooking certain things. And uh, we're not very good at that. And it, we're in a culture where you know, everybody's ticked off and it's, it's hostile, it's divisive. Um, and so I think that was, would be one big takeaway. It's, it's not anything new. It's just understanding how much emphasis the New Testament puts on healthy relationships upon peacemaking. Um, and then I think secondarily is, is just kind of how the biblical storyline uh, lines up with this idea. Uh, which also emphasizes, of course, its importance. So what I mean by that is if you go to like Genesis 3, where we read about the fall, and we read about how one of the consequences of the fall is going to be strife within the, the marriage. And then in the very next chapter in Genesis 4, we read about one brother killing another brother, like a, a, a massive illustration for how conflict is the result of sin. But, but in the middle of that chapter three is also the promise of redemption of one crushing the head of the serpent. And of course, we're awaiting this Messiah to come and do that, who is called the Prince of Peace. And he comes and he is reconciling, as Paul says in Colossians three, reconciling alienated people from God to God and to one another, as Ephesians two brings out. And then Paul, of course, concludes toward the end of Romans by saying the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That wow. we have an already not yet reality. Like we experience peace, but we're awaiting total shalom in a new heaven and new earth. And so in many ways, conflict is, is pointing us to a new creation. It's pointing us to uh, the fact that one day uh, we won't need to lock our doors. We won't need police. There won't be blood in the streets. 
All of that's made possible through Christ. And so what I need to do in my present conflict is bring that future into the present, as it were, to, to live as a, as a kingdom citizen uh, under the king's rule and under his values. And I think just understanding conflict within the grand narrative of scripture uh, is, is very important as well. That's good. I mean, Gally, there's, uh, especially that minor thing, I think that that's, that's what a lot of pastors deal with. It seems like in the church, those are the things that often split a church and it's the major things that we sweep under the rug or we ignore or don't want to deal with. And I I would imagine that there's probably a lot of pastors and church leaders that are listening to this and thinking I'm in the midst of conflict and it has to do with all these minor things. And it's not that they aren't able to overlook it, but they can't get the folks they're in conflict with to overlook things because, you know, as a pastor, you know, you can't make a decision that's going to make everyone happy. And so, Those minor yeah. things are usually preferences. How would you say if, if there's a pastor that uh, is maybe in a church right now, and, and one of the things that I've, I've taught even some of my students is, um, you know, your emotions are going to catch up to your obedience. We're driven by emotions a lot. And so pastors will often leave church because it, you know, they're in the midst of conflict and they just don't want to deal with the conflict where God hasn't really released them from that yet. And so the obedience is what matters over the emotions. Uh, but maybe they're to that point. How would you uh, counsel a pastor that's in the midst of that conflict, and maybe it is some of these minor things, uh, to kind of work through some of that conflict with their church? Yeah, so I, you know, there's several angles I think you could take at this. So one would be uh, just preaching through uh, what, what are healthy relationships um, I, I've found, you know, I've been doing this all through COVID is just reminding our people, look, we're not going to divide over service times or a mask or whatever. Like just, we got to overlook this. This is part of uh, new Testament Christianity bearing with one another. It means there are going to be things you don't like. Right. So, um, and, and to understand that this is just a little blip on the historical, you know, map of, of, of history. Uh, we'll get through this. And so there's no need to freak out. We need to calm down. I just think churches need, they need taught about relationships, especially in today's society with social media and all the other issues that are keeping people distracted and disengaged and, and so on. I told our church, if the apostle John showed up today, he might actually preach a series on loving one another, right? Because first John is just laced with this like we need to love each other. Like you, you don't think you need to be taught that again, but we right. need to be taught again and again and again. And then I think just working it out in, in small group settings, uh, whether that's through books that you might use to, to think through these things. A lot of people simply haven't been taught, you know, and they, they, that we usually uh, act in a, in, in a way in which we were taught, like we follow the models that we have. And so mm-hmm. a lot of people have never really had good models for how do you have a conversation with someone who's offended you? Or how do you have a conversation with someone who's been offended by you, even though you think they shouldn't be offended by what you did, you still need to go to that brother or sister and try to make things right. Um, and so there, there, there needs to be some space where you can also have dialogue. You have more than just the monologue, the sermon, but to have some space to work it out in discipleship settings, I think is, is really important as well. Um, I think for pastors, they just need friends. They need, uh, they need counselors. They, they need uh, people who can speak truth into their life um, and not, not see conflict always as a negative. Um, I say in the book, sometimes conflict is an opportunity 
you know, it, it, it's an opportunity for me to grow. It's an opportunity for the other person to grow. It's an opportunity to glorify God, to put the gospel on display, to put forgiveness on display, um, to put long suffering on display. Um, like you, you can't really do long suffering if you're not suffering, if you're not dealing with uh, trials. And uh, I see pastoring much like parenting, you know, it's, it's just sticking with it over the long haul that makes an incredible difference. And we have to trust that there is a cumulative effect to long-term sticking with it and being faithful. But to do that, we've got to learn to bear with one another and endure these hard seasons and have conversations. Um, and, and also, again, based on the storyline of scripture, to expect conflict. Like it's just going to yeah. be a reality. It's not going away. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that, uh, you know, growing up, we were always taught, you know, you don't talk about religion, you don't talk about politics. So we really never knew how to disagree with one another. Mm-hmm. We never knew how to have those conversations that, 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 uh, that could cause conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when we hear somebody that disagrees with us, we just write them off, even in the church. And, uh, and so I think your book is a great resource for us to learn how to uh, have those conversations, how to reconcile with one another. I think there's probably, um, there's a lot of, lot of conflict in the church that's just not being talked about right now. Because people mm-hmm. I think, like you yeah. said, we're really good at being keyboard warriors behind the computer. And, but when we, especially here in the South, you know, I'm, I'm here in, in lower Alabama, you know, we've got that Southern hospitality. So when mm-hmm. we see each other, we smile, we pretend like everything's good, but man, we can be vicious on social media. And uh, especially if you disagree with me about politics or religion or something. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think about Romans 12, you know, when Paul ends that chapter by saying, uh, don't overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, it's, it, we just, there is a lot of volleyball back and forth, returning evil for evil. And, you know, you hurt me, I hurt you. And like Christians have to, we're, we're called to something much greater. Like we're, we're to overcome evil with, with good, with uh, blessing those who, uh, you know, are at odds with us, forgiving those who, who may have offended us. Um, and we, we got to work that out in our heart, which is where much of the book focuses is, you know, before I look at the log in, in another brother's eye, I need to, or look at the speck, I need to examine whether or not I have a log in my own eye. And uh, we're very good at pointing out the flaws and the failures of others without doing a good bit of self-examination. And when we do that, it shouldn't lead us to despair. It should lead us to the cross. It should lead mm-hmm. us to be like our righteousness is in Christ. And uh, you know, I don't have to be destroyed over what someone said or, or, or thinks. I, I, can, I can live out of that identity that I have in Christ. And so that's, that's really fundamental, along with living by the Spirit who produces the fruit in us to, to live out gentleness and self-control and, and all of the, the glorious characteristics of Jesus. Um, yeah. So it, it really is, it's heart work, you know, to do yeah. resolution. And, and you, you talk about that in the book and, and really kind of begin there of examining your own heart and starting with yourself. And, mm-hmm. and obviously as pastors, we need to do that, you know, walking into any kind of conflict, even if we're mediating uh, between family members or church members or husbands and wives, whatever it might be. That we need to examine our own hearts and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and begin there and then move forward. Well, Tony, you've got a great resource here. I think it's a great resource for pastors, but I also think it's a great resource for pastors to give to church members. And uh, I would probably even, um, if, if, you're, if you're a pastor listening to this or watching this, uh, this may be something to start with your deacons or your elders and work through this together or your staff and figure out, okay, 
how does this deal with us as leaders and then go beyond into your church? Uh, well, Tony, how can people engage with you online? I know you're doing a lot of things. You're involved in a lot of things and, uh, and, and some really cool things that I'm excited about, but how can people engage with you online? Yeah. Uh, so uh, Twitter, I don't do a whole lot of stuff there, but you can find me at uh, Tony Marita, just my name uh, as well. You could uh, hit up the, our church website, idcraleigh.com, uh, and then grimkeseminary.org. You can find some some cool stuff there. Uh, the book's available at uh, Lifeway in paperback and then Amazon on Kindle. I think in, uh, Kindle's like $3. Lifeway, it's about 6 So okay. uh, you we'll hit it right. to that. I wrote this uh, really for pastors, leaders to give to people just as a resource. I think small groups, we've learned also, this is a really uh, helpful study because a lot of the, a lot of the conflict in church today seems to be relating to kind of interpersonal relationships and, and how, how to navigate that. So uh, hopefully it'll be helpful for that. And man, if we can teach our students early on, disciple them uh, in youth groups and things like that about how to have healthy relationships, especially with all the stuff they're inundated with, with technology, just learning the value of healthy, you know, one anothering is very important. Um, before, before we leave, uh, I, I want you, cause you mentioned Grimke uh, seminary, tell us a little bit about that because obviously we have some, some folks that are listening that would probably be really interested in that either for themselves or, or people that they're mentoring, discipling. Uh, yeah. tell us a little bit about, uh, Grimke seminary. Yeah. So Francis Grimke was a, a pastor over 50 years in uh, Washington, DC, uh, grew up in slavery, got out of slavery. Uh, ended up going to Princeton, studied under the great Hodge, and um, Dr. Dr. Professor Hodge, uh, brilliant pastor, uh, professor, wasn't professor, I guess, pastor, theologian, I should say. And uh, we wanted to, to uh, start a school that would do a couple of things. One, you don't have to relocate. Um, we have um, uh, two intensives per semester in Richmond, Virginia. So we, you do most of your, your learning uh, at your church with your pastor. If you are the pastor, we give, we assign a coach to you. So you're working, it's all local church based, but you come to get these intensives twice a semester. And in two years, you can graduate with a master of theological studies. We also make it very affordable. Uh, it's only $10,000 for the entire degree. You just wow. need to get your travel to get there. Uh, and it's, it's pastors training pastors. So we we're, we're only, uh, training uh, pastors and aspiring pastors. We're going to start some other programs for laity and, and other, other, you know, people in your church, but, but the bread and butter for Grimke is going to be uh, guys who are currently pastoring, who are qualified to teach these courses, training pastors right now. So it makes for a great culture. Uh, we've got 85 students in now this is our second semester. Um, and so uh, the school's growing. We're excited about it. Yeah. If you have any questions, I'd love to connect with you. Yeah, awesome. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well, uh, because I think that that would be a great resource uh, for a lot of the folks that are listening as well. Uh, well, Tony, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for writing this book and, and a lot of the other books that you have written. And uh, we, we hope to have you uh, back on for the next book that you write. I know that you're already working on one, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll want to have you right. Thank you. Appreciate it, Josh. All right. Thanks so much.